Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Hi, Larry Kreider here. Welcome to the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast, and where we have conversations on leadership. I've been so blessed to meet with so many leaders, both in America and throughout the world, and have all these deep conversations, learning these little little keys to leadership. And I'm so glad to invite you in today. And with me today is my good friend, Josh Good. We're going to have this conversation on intergenerational leadership today. Welcome to the podcast. So good to be here, Larry. Thanks for having me on. So Josh, I know you got some questions for me, and I've got some questions for you, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to talk about the generations and things that we're living in different generations yep. and what that can look like. Let's talk about you first, just just so our podcast friends understand who you are. Yeah. You grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Is that right? I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I'm 27 years old. And um, little known fact is that I've known Larry Kreider pretty much my whole life because uh, <laughs> he married my parents. So my parents were part of the Dove movement in the early days. Yeah. And I uh, grew up in Dove uh, for the first 16 years of my life. And around 16, kind of started to go wayward. So um, it was in college at Messiah College that I really got my heart right with God. And How, uh, how did that happen? Yeah, so... Um, so the, the, the brief version, I think, is I was overseas, and I, I, I met people who were living in just utter poverty, yeah. but filled with just such tangible joy. Right, right. Um, and I, I, I witnessed the, their love for the Lord, and it had a profound impact on my life. I remember flying home and just thinking to myself, I'm, I'm building my life upon the wrong foundation. I had wow. some roots of God in my life. Um, I just had never really made him Lord. Yes. And that was a huge catalytic turning point. And um, I got back and the Lord just started lining all this kinds of stuff up. I ended up going into ministry, in college ministry for two years, had some incredible spiritual fathers in that time period. Awesome, awesome. That's and so um, it's just been following the Holy Spirit ever since. And so, so what are you doing today? What? What's your role so today? for the past three years, I've had the privilege of serving um, in as a Dove youth leader in the local church level, level at Dove Westgate Church, which is in Effort of Pennsylvania. But additionally, I also get to serve as a Dove USA youth director, um, helping be a resource to the youth pastors in Dove in the U.S., and uh, also just helping to pioneer some new stuff, which is what I enjoy doing. Um, setting up events for youth to just get trained sure. and walking in their identity and evangelism. Gotcha. So that's what I get to do today, and it's a real joy. So it's exciting to be here today to talk about the generations together um, and, and ready to launch into that. So Great. Well, uh, why don't we do this? I am convinced that there are four generations among us. Right now, there's right. four generations. And I, again, I know there's, we can, we can talk about millennials and Gen X yeah. and all that stuff. We could do that. But I like to look at it from more of a biblical perspective. Yeah. And then what I would like to do is I want to ask you questions about your generation. You ask me questions about my generation. Because it seems like so often there's this huge gap between the generations. Yeah. 
and, and tons of insecurity in all the generations. Yeah. And so, so can we dive in there? I think it's going to be so healthy to have a candid conversation about the generations because you know how many people are thinking things about the older generation exactly. and then the older generation is thinking things about the younger things. And so many times we're talking backhandedly towards one another. Right. I think it's a passion of both of ours to see yes. people just mutually honoring one another. And I think, Larry, you have just a really good good layout here of the biblical generations. It's going to be, I think, helpful for a lot of people to just kind of understand maybe where am I positioned in the body sure. of Christ. Sure. So, yeah, if you could launch into okay. that and talk well, about that. Let me tell awesome. you how I see it. This is my perspective yeah. on it. Uh, historians you know, talk about generations, and some say, well, that's 40 years, and some mm-hmm. say it's 20 years, and some say it's 25 years and 30 years. And just for our conversation today on leadership, we're going to talk about, I'm going to you look at 20-year generations. Yeah. And here's where I'm going to start. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, and maybe that's why I'm thinking this, you know. Uh, I mean, I find for myself, 70 and older is a generation. I see it as the older generation today. People who are 70 and older. I call that the Abraham generation because, you know, and what's amazing about Abraham is most of the things that we realize, we see he did, the things that built our faith, he did when he was older. Right. He did when he was Above 70. 75 and older, Exactly. Right? 90, 99, yeah. 100, you Amazing. know. So he walks out and sees the stars of the, uh, the stars in the sky, and God says, that's what your children yeah. will be. He doesn't have any kids. He was older than 70 when that happened. Come on. So, yeah, so I tell my generation, you know, 70 and older all over the world, so look, there's a call of God in your Come life. On. You have just started. Don't you dare lay down and, and Keep die. Keep dreaming. Yeah. Exactly. Keep dreaming. Yeah, dreams and visions are for you. So anyway, that's the first generation. That's the Abraham, Sarah, I love that. A, a generation. Second generation would be in 50s and 60s. I call that the Isaac generation. And I say that because Isaac, I mean, I, most of the story of Isaac that we're aware of is that, like, takes, for example, Genesis 26. Isaac, in his generation, was sowing and reaping and things were happening. This is the most fulfilling generation there is. Mm. And I've done studies on this, and I found people in their 60s find that decade is the most fulfilling time of their life. Mm. And 50s also is very fulfilling. Uh, and also, I'm not saying the other generations are not. Could you Mine sp- is too. Could you speak into that just a little bit? Like yeah. maybe why? You've, you've, I mean, you've lived, through, you've lived through that generation. So tell us about what that's like. Yeah. Well, I... Pr- pr- I, the reason that generation is so powerful is because you come to a place that's often called convergence. Mm. Convergence is when you try lots of things in life and you find out one day, this is who I am. Mm. This is who I'm really called to be. I'm really happy with myself. I don't have to prove anything to anybody <laughs> anymore. It, it is all good. That's good. You know, it's me and Jesus doing what he's called me to do. You know, Whether that's in the business realm, whether mm. that is in you know, church leadership realm, or whatever kind of leadership, yeah. you get to that age, you come to a place of a real completion, I think, and convergence. And I think that's part of it. But see, without the other generations, you never get there. Mm. So the third generation, and then it's the 30s and 40s. I call that the Jacob generation. And that's a generation of, you know, growing and building and learning mm. and, and getting ready for this convergence to come. Yeah. Of course, Jacob, you know, I mean, Jacob was meant deceiver. And he, and he was deceiving people right and left. And yet he was a gifted guy. Mm-hmm. And so when you know, he thought his life's in danger, his family's life's in danger, God visits him and you know, touches his thigh, and he limps from that day forward. And God changed his name at that point. And you see, you see that all in, in the scriptures. Uh, and so God changes his name and, and changes it to Israel, which means prince with God. His name was Deceiver. Yeah. Jacob now is prince with God. Yeah. And what happened in that generation is he's learning, trying stuff, 
uh, and just going through a lot of hard stuff. But he was changed from that day on. Yeah. God changed him. And often when we're in that generation, we find God changing us. You know, there's a Bible teacher, Billy Graham, years ago when he was living, said his favorite Bible teacher was Bob Mumford. Mm. And Bob Mumford said one day, he said, I don't trust anyone unless they walk with a limp. I love that. Yeah. And so somehow in that generation, that's what you're learning. Mm. You're learning how to walk with a limp. Mm. And then, of course, the fourth generation is under 30. Yeah. I call that the Joseph generation. Yeah. And Joseph generation, obviously. That's me. You're there, man. <laughs> yeah. You're there. You know, in the maturity in your life, in many ways, I think you, you're above that generation. No. But you're living in that generation right now. Yeah. And that generation, Joseph generation, is the preparation generation. Mm. You know, most in the book of Genesis, most of what we see in Joseph's life, he was learning stuff the hard way. His yeah. brothers, you know put him in a hole and sold him as a slave and ends up in Potiphar's house and his wife lies about him and ends up in jail. And I mean, anything that could go wrong went wrong. Mm -hmm. But he guarded his heart, and that's yeah. where God was forming him, the character of Christ in him. And when he was 30, he was ready to be second in command of all of Egypt. Mm. So you have those four generations. Now, what I find is often... When you're in those generations, there's a lot of insecurities that surround all those generations. Yeah. And, this, and we need all these generations yep. to work together to Amen. see God do what he wants to do. Yeah. Give me your thoughts. Well, I think it would be really fun. I'm putting you on the spot, Larry. But I I mean, I've, I'm only, you know, I'm in Joseph generation. Yeah. I've only experienced one generation. You've traversed through each of these now. You know, you're... You're, you've hit 70 this past year, so you just crossed the threshold into yeah. uh, what you would define as the Abraham generation. I would be kind of interested. I think people would, be, would love to hear, too. You know, maybe could you give us some examples from your own life uh, uh, kind of in each of these areas? Sure. Maybe what God did in your life in that Joseph generation season. What did it look like in Jacob generation season of like, what did it look like for you to walk with a limp? 50s and 60s. I just, I personally would love to hear about that. So I'm putting you on the spot. Well, do you have five hours? Yeah, we do. No. <laughs> okay. Let me just share a couple of things. Under 30, you know, in that first Joseph generation, and much like you, uh, I... I gave my life to Christ when I was 11, but when I was 18, Jesus became Lord. Mm -hmm. God totally revolutionized my life when yeah. I was 18. And so I had that Lordship experience. And But man, did I have loads of pride and lots mm -hmm. of stuff that God was working on in my life, and I didn't even realize a lot of what was happening. So Laverne and I get married, and get married in 71, 1971, way back in the day. And we end up three weeks later being on the mission field. And we Three weeks three in? Three weeks after we married. I don't recommend Did you take that. a honeymoon? Did well, they do honeymoon? We did a quick honeymoon to the Poconos, <laughs> came back and went to the mission field. Come on. <laughs> and we lived in an island off the coast of South Carolina called John's Island. And, we, and most of those that we were sharing Christ with uh, were those who were very poor. Uh, we'd tear down buildings in, in the city of Charleston, take out the nails, uh, you know, out of the lumber, go out to the island and build houses wow. for people who didn't have houses and use it as an opportunity to share Christ with people. Um, so, I mean, that was all good. But I learned a ton there. I mean, we were in leadership of this mission, and most many of them on our, our mission were older than we were. Oh, know? yeah, you were. Yeah, how we old were you? Well, like, I turned 21 the day yeah. we hit the island. Wow. Really? Yeah. I was 20 when we got married. Laverne was 19. She'd say 19 and a half because it sounds older. <laughs> so anyway, so we learned a, I learned a ton. That's where I learned things about discipleship, and that's where I learned about Paul Timothy mm -hmm. relationships, and David talked about spiritual fathering. That the seeds of that were sown way back then. But before we left for that, we started, helped start 
a youth ministry to a bunch of kids in northern northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and it was called Lost But Found. Jumped into that ministry when we got back. I was a farm, you know, working my dad's farm mm-hmm. and, and farm partnership with him. And but we just learned a ton of we just learned a ton of stuff the hard way. I learned to teach the Bible by teaching young people who had no understanding right. at all about the Bible. They didn't know who Paul was. Uh, the first guy I met there, I remember. Uh, his name was Kevin. Kevin didn't even know why there was a Christmas or an Easter. Mm-hmm. He was 13, you know, right. that kind of a deal. So, but we're learning this stuff. But then we had lots of opportunity to watch our attitudes because we were doing things. People were coming to Christ, kids coming to Christ, and we could look at the church as a whole in general and say, well, they're just playing church. Mm. So we had to watch our attitude. I remember we'd have meetings and prayer meetings, and we started talking about it. Churches, why aren't they reaching the lost? We said, we got to guard our hearts. We're not responsible for them. They're responsible to God. we got to watch our, guard our hearts. So that's so you what had God some of that. was doing. Oh. I've noticed in Joseph, I mean, in the Bible, you know, you think oftentimes, Joseph, was it the wisest thing to share exactly. that dream, exactly. you know, with your brothers and father? Yep. Exactly. Uh, but it was yeah, not. <laughs> but God's doing great things in your life, using right. you guys powerfully. But yeah, right. just some... Some I think God was teaching us the culture of honor, yep. just honoring wow. all generations, not realizing I've been walking in their shoes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they've been through. Uh, and then we realized our need for, uh, just a need for people to speak into our lives. Wow. So, and then, then I was 29, and then it's still not 30. Mm-hmm. It's still in that generation. And then the first Dove Church started, and I was giving leadership with the team. Uh, to that new move of God that was going to happen. Yeah. We had no idea. You had no idea. <laughs> no idea. We started. One day, Laverne looked at me, and she said, wouldn't it be amazing if when we're 80 years of age, yeah. it, this church could go to 200 people? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> and that's just kind of where we were it's at. Amazing. So we were just learning about vision, what that looks like. And then as we went into 30s and 40s, that's yeah. we saw you know, the blessing of God, and we mm-hmm. saw you know, the church go to a couple thousand people and all that. And, I mean, I look back on that time, and that was honestly... That was a really, it was a, a powerful time, but some of it was a very hard time. That's when I almost quit. Right. And that's where I was learning in the 30s and 40s in that, you know, Jacob generation. Right. I was learning, you'd, be, you'd become more like a prince with God, so to speak, yeah. where I sort of had to trust him. It was all about him. And and I had to fulfill the vision that he gave us. Yeah. Because I, I was, you know, I was ready to quit. I was going to quit. What, what? I mean, I know we don't want to go too deep, but like you, I mean, I would, knowing your story, knowing yeah. kind of some right. of the, the hard time, like church grows magnificently, right. but then also, so, I mean, facing that really difficult thing that probably marked you with that limp that we're talking about here, I like did. speak to that just a little bit. Like what, what, what was that like? Yeah. I, I went to the mountains one day to pray with my wife, Laverne, because I wanted to quit. And mm. uh, there was only a few of us in eldership in the, in the church. Only was that because of, of leadership challenges? It was. It was leadership just... challenge. It was amazing people. We didn't have spiritual fathers. Uh-huh. That's what we learned. Wow. We had no spiritual fathers. When we started, we did. And then we started to grow. And then the, the denomination that we were kind of working with said, you know, you need to decide, you're going to really join us or not. And we mm. realized that we were a kind of a new movement, yeah. and that was all true and all God. Yeah. And but we were being so blessed. We thought we don't need people to oversee us. Mm-hmm. We don't need spiritual fathers, and uh, that's where it got really rough. So when we had different opinions on how to lead, this church was growing, and God was, was starting churches overseas, and all this good stuff happening. And I was getting really insecure personally in my own leadership. Yeah. And am I able to do this thing? Uh, even though we saw the blessing of God. But it was in the midst of that that I would have would have learned to walk with the Lamb. Mm-hmm. I went away to pray, and I realized that God had called us. And because he called us, 
he hadn't uncalled us, and we. Mm. It's almost like wow, that's good. It's almost like we were no, stuck. That's good. In a good way. You're like God, you called us here. Exactly. We want to leave, but we don't have a word from the Lord that says we can. Exactly. So I and guess we'll and stay. these are amazing leaders, really good leaders. I mean, God yeah. brought the most amazing yep. leaders to for all this to happen, and then people started to leave, and some leaders started to leave and go other places, and it was just a really, really mm-hmm. difficult time. But yep. what happened was was I realized my security, my significance was coming from whether I was liked or not, mm. rather than I was loved by God. Mm. I was loved by God the Father. Yeah, that's powerful. And that was huge. And I walked with a limp from that day on yeah. and realized everything is totally the grace of God. Any good thing that happens is the grace of God. Nothing that I've done. And that was what we learned during that time. So and such that, a, I mean, such a powerful season, too, even though it was incredibly difficult. Yeah. They didn't take away from how God used it in the, right. in the decades to come. That, I mean, such so, so marked Dove, I think. In, it had, it it has and a lot of the books I've written, you know, I've written these kinds <laughs> yeah. of stories. And speak, really, many of the books I've written, many of the leadership books we've written, most of what we learned was during that two, three, four, mm. five year period yep. that was so difficult. That's and that's, that's powerful, and that's encouragement people. I think to people listening to who are maybe in the midst of some of the lowest times or feeling yep. like the most difficult times, verge of quitting. Yep. Hold on, stay exactly. faithful, stay steadfast to that call because, exactly. uh, yeah, I mean, I just so honor Larry and Laverne just walking through that and staying committed to the call on their life. All right, Isaac generation, okay. 50s and 60s. 60. But then, by that time, when I was 45, we then became a, we decided God was calling us to become a movement of churches. And so we went from like one church, a multi-site church, a couple thousand people, a couple overseas church plants, to we started a movement. So uh, we really gave the church away, so to speak. So each of those, we call them celebrations. Today we call them campuses. Mm -hmm. Uh, We gave them all the opportunity to have their own church and to work with the Dove family. Then we were were setting up this new movement, so to speak, called Mm -hmm. Dove International. And so that all happened in that happened really... It was being prepared uh, in the 40s, when I was, uh, 30s and 40s, but really it was in the 50s mm. and all, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And that was just an uh, amazing season for us and seeing churches being planted around the world and growing to more than a thousand churches. And I mean, only God can do this kind yeah. of stuff. But if we hadn't gone through the hard times and we hadn't had amazing leaders who stood with us at that time, and we had some leaders who went on to other things that were amazing leaders, we had some amazing, amazing leaders who stood with us from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, and people say, how could God do this? I say two things. It's the grace of God. And number two, it's an amazing team. Mm, it's an amazing good. team. God always builds teams. And we learned that through those times. So then in the 50s and 60s, the Isaac generation, that was really fruitful. Yeah. So we began to see churches planted around the world. And that got me ready for my 70s. Yeah. <laughs> speak speak to that. I mean, you just entered 70. I did. What's going through your heart? What's your heart posture as you enter You know this Abraham generation? Yeah. What, it's something we've tried to do our whole lives in leadership, and this is how we're wired, is to be, see things start and then turn it over to other people. And that's just our heart. That's what we've tried to do. And uh, helping people start churches in Africa and Europe mm. and South America, wherever. Throughout the world. And, and, of course, obviously, seeing things start, seeing apostolic, we call apostolic teams release, yeah. and then all over the world just see that continue to happen. So now is the big deal for us because as we get into 70, I'm looking at the next few years, to say now it's time to turn this entire movement over to new leadership mm-hmm. to go through that whole succession process. Yeah. So we've been in that process for four years, and we're excited about it, and we're looking forward to where God's taking us all. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 
and then finding out what is next for us. Remember Abraham, yeah. most of the things we know about him happen come on. when he's 70 and older. So we're saying, for Larry come on, and let's do it. Come on. And my heart so much for the body of Christ yeah. and to just see movements work together and see the body of yeah. Christ work together and, and see the generations work together, to see the, the the diversity of culture, people come from different backgrounds, all work together. And so we're excited for our future. Yeah, that's that's an exciting precipice to be standing on. I mean, especially with faith like this, like Abraham, like, God, you're going to use us as we enter right. into this next season. That's really encouraging. Well, that's really helpful for me even to hear your journey through the different generations, thinking through it uh, in this context. I think it's probably helpful for a lot of people to think about, you know, where they're at, you yeah, know, right yeah. now. And, um, you know, I think looking at the the broader body of Christ, it's not all that common to see multi-generational movements. Right. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of churches that are, you know, have maybe different ages and stuff, but but really multi-generational partnership. And there's some challenges that go along with that. That's so right. like, would you speak to like, what are some challenges you think that get in, that that make it kind of difficult, like where we miss each other and we kind of, sure. we struggle to work together? Well, I find two things happen. Number one, I find an older generation has a tendency often to, uh, to maybe not honor the younger generation because they do it differently. Mm. And same Jesus, same Bible, you know, same relationship with God, but they just do church, quote unquote, differently, and they see it differently, and they should. Mm. Uh, so I think sometimes the older generation could even persecute the next moves of God. I've had, you know, I've seen that often yeah. in my, you know, I'm 70, but I've seen often in my lifetime where those who were involved with moves of God, and then the next generation came and did it differently, they would resist the next move of God. Mm. So that is a problem, but that is my generation. Could you, could you speak to that a little bit? Like, um, for an older leader listening to this, what is an indicator that, because nobody's trying to resist the move of God. Right. What right. is an indicator if maybe I'm resisting something yeah. that that I, I don't know, like, could you speak to that a little bit, just frankly, sure. candidly? Well, I think if those of us who are older, we're seeing a younger generation, you see powerful things happen there, and we feel like we're left out mm. somehow. Wow. See, I, so it's, it's, it's a personal selfish. selfish I, I wouldn't have I thought think, about that myself, you know. I think, I think that could be part of it. I think some of it is a real concern because, you know, truths that were meant so much to us, even fresh truths, new truths that were new to us, are no longer new. They're now status quo. Yeah. So now there's these new things. It's nothing new from the Bible, yeah. but a different way of doing it, mm. uh, doing church, et cetera, that is, I think, harder sometimes for, for my generation. And I think also my generation, as I said, just feels left out sometimes. But now there's the other concern I have, yeah. and that's for the younger generation. Yep, let's go there. So for the younger generation, I feel like there needs to be an honoring of the older generation. Yeah. And often there's there's this assumption that, well, God's doing this new thing, and this is the Holy Ghost thing God's doing, and it's new and fresh, and the older generation wouldn't understand. Well, they lived through some of this, some of them in the past, yeah. they would understand. Wow. But I think this in, the insecurities on both sides cause issues. Wow. In fact, I think each of those generations has their own sense of insecurities because of what they're walking through. And I want to make it very clear. I don't think this is cut and dry that, no, you know, no. if you are up to your 30, you've got to be one way, and then you got to totally change after that. I don't I don't believe that at all. Uh, but at the same time, I believe it gives some con- biblical yeah. context for the four it, different It gives a lens through which we can start to think through these things, because I agree with you so many times, um, even if it's on, it's, I think oftentimes it's not on a verbal level, it's on a, like a subconscious level where right. it's like, like even maybe if a young person's going to plant something... They're not naturally thinking, hmm, 
how could I invite some sort of spiritual authority into this to speak into it because right. mm, they wouldn't understand or whatever. Right. Or an older, you know, a th- person who's been serving, leading for many years, they're not often like intentionally thinking, what are the younger people in my, you know, sphere of influence thinking about this? Should I invite them in to that? And so I think, I mean, just like a lot of this is happening on a subconscious level where, right. you know, the older generation is saying, well, they just, you know, they, they're not mature enough yet. The younger generation is like, well, they just don't honor us yet right. kind of deal. And, and we're missing each other when really that connection, there's a real power. And I mean, that's visible in your story, Larry, right. in that when... You guys decided to step away from some of that spiritual authority, even though, you know, you said it was God. And and, and I, I believe it was that absence of that spiritual authority really right. had a negative effect on your life. Well, I think it was God. We had to make the change. That was God. But not seeking out spiritual oh, fathers good. was not God. Mm. We just didn't see it. We right. just didn't know. Right. We thought God's blessing us. We're doing fine. Uh, but that was an issue. And so um, so making the move we made was right, but not finding spiritual fathers earlier was uh, unhealthy. And I've talked to even some of the leaders, my friends today, who we worked together for many years back then. They're involved in other parts of the body of Christ. We've talked about this. Yeah. It's really, looking back, there's just such a need for spiritual fathers and mothers today. Yeah. Just speak into that a little bit, like, you know, speak to the person who's 30 years old and is leading a thriving movement right now, sure. you know, and that maybe doesn't have that oversight is kind of feeling that that sense of, man, I, I feel a little bit fatherless yeah. in my leadership. Um, maybe could you just speak to that I leader can. briefly? I, I can, because I remember when I was feeling fatherless. So I began to look around and say, who are some fathers? Are there potential fathers? And some honestly didn't have time to do that. It was not an option, but there were some who did. Mm. So I found peers and I found fathers. And so we had prayer meetings here in the county. For, and there's many prayer meetings today among leaders today. But there was, that was not happening back in the day when we were young, I was a young pastor. And I remember uh, some of us, as just a few of us, as pastors of churches said, could we at least pray once a month for revival? Could we just pray for each other? Could we stand together? There would be no competition. Mm. And so we started there. So the peer level was important. But I remember I would, you know, I would know certain uh, leaders in the body of Christ that I respected, and they they would have known because our church had grown, and they would have known who I was. Uh, and we made made some contacts and began to build some relationship. Started the talking process, but really, it was really uh, for me. I was a pastor probably for about twelve years, thirteen years, maybe fourteen. So I really began to find spiritual fathers, wow. people like Keith Yoder, Floyd McClung is now with the Lord, people yeah. like that that really helped me in those days. That's really powerful. I think it's. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's becoming more common in the body of Christ to recognize yeah. our need for that as we see what can happen in the lack thereof. Yes. But I think it's a powerful example of a way that the generations can work together and, and honestly our, our desperate need for each yes. other too. You see that in the Joshua-Moses relationship where Moses is bringing Joshua into you know different things that he's doing um, and, and just that, that whole intergenerational yeah. way that the Lord yeah. just throughout the Bible uses these intergenerational um, types of movements. And so I, maybe we should, could start to speak a little bit about how, how can the body of Christ grow in this okay. area? Um, I'd love, I'd love to, just to, be, to say something about that. Yeah. Uh, and that is, I think there's this fear factor that everybody deals with. I think the older generation thinks, well, the younger generation really doesn't want to take time to talk to me. I think the younger generation feels the same way about the older generation mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's, it could be a fear factor. It could be an insecurity factor. Uh, it's just a lie. 
Because I think when I, you know, I, I, I find that younger generation of leaders like yourself, Josh, your heart's always open saying, what can I learn, you know, to speak into my life? And, you know, and that, that's a model for your generation. I think many of your generation, I think, carry that same kind of a heart. But then I think my generation needs to be willing then to take the time and speak into your generation and, and really ask questions. And how can I pray for you? It's not trying to tell your generation what to do. It's good. It's just simply saying, here's, you know, I've learned the older I get, the less advice I give. Mm-hmm. I simply will say a couple things. I'll say, well, here's what the Bible says. Here's my story. Now you go and hear from God and That's do what good. he calls you to do. Yeah. But I think it starts with that. It starts with having the conversation. Mm, yeah. And being willing. Either one can make the move. The younger generation or the older generation. And we're talking about four generations. Right. So, I mean, it right. goes exactly. all four generations working together in this way. I think we all can find ourselves just somewhere on this, this four-generation scale. And, and honestly, I think if we're honest with ourselves... We all are kind of, we kind of know where we're lacking in. Yes. And maybe I don't have that peer-to-peer relationship. Maybe I don't have the father relationship. Or maybe I don't have, you know, someone that I'm pouring into. And I just know from me working with youth, what we've learned is that really um, it's not about like whether you're too old or too young. What we've found is that, you know, the, 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 that a student will be gravitated towards a person, who, the oldest person in the room will show them the most respect and honor. And so there's really something to this and that like I don't think I think people write themselves off when they get that they get older like oh you know someone younger right they they don't want to have anything to do with me. But it would be amazing I think for you know the older generation even in their 60s 70s to take even a student out yeah. and just spend time with them, show that they care, show that they love so them. Good. Exactly what you just said. Um, but that's just a, a student to mentor relationship. We're talking about leaders in the body of Christ too. Right. I think there's likely just a lot of people who are longing for someone just that is a leader that is maybe you know above them. Hey, would you want to get coffee? Would you want to yeah, talk exactly. about life? Share with me how you're doing. Like it's really practical, but it takes some intentionality on yes. the, on either side yeah. to seek that and out. Either side can do it. Yeah. And usually we it's wait good. for the other side. Right. Either side can do it. And I tell younger leaders often. You know, just knocking, you know, just knocking the door of someone who's older that you want to spend some time with, and just you know, go out for coffee, or go out for breakfast, whatever, and say, you know, here's what I'm walking through. Give me some advice. Yeah, that's good. You know, and then I tell the older, and honestly, I mean, I I feel really blessed because I don't really feel I don't really feel this a lot that my younger generation would not want to talk to me. I really don't feel that personally, but a lot of my friends do, mm. and many people I talk to say, well, we're older, they don't care about us, so they don't care about what we're thinking anyway. And I say, yes, they do. Yeah, you know, there, there's a need for the generations to. You know, it's down to communication. And caring, and uh, it's out of them just working together. Because we got to realize, Acts two is very clear. You know, the God's going to pour His Spirit in the last days, yeah. and what's going to happen? Sons and daughters prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. So yeah. somehow, it's it's all together. It's, yeah. it's intergenerational. It's all of us together. It's just finding practical ways to do it. And I think the pathway, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, is is really honor. I mean, yes. mutual honor towards one another. And I think practically, just speaking to those that are under 30 in my own life, I think if we want to, we can easily, we can be critical if we choose that path, but yeah. we can also choose honor just as easily. Yes. But I think it's so common is for people to just point fingers, see what's yeah. wrong, see what's not happening. But in reality, I think some of those burdens are actually supposed to fall upon yourself. So yeah. if you see something that's off, 
Well, just take responsibility for it and start to pioneer in that area where you've been called to pioneer. Instead, like I think oftentimes older leaders, I mean, at least for me, I, in leadership, if someone comes to me with a complaint but not a solution, it's really overwhelming. I don't really know what to do with that. Right. But, uh, you know, I think if we would take it upon ourselves and and choose to honor what it is that the older leaders in our lives have pioneered, have created space for in our lives, choose to walk inside of that, and then also ask God, you know, what is it that you've called us to? Mm-hmm. And then go after it with all our hearts. And that comes to the part where I think the older generation, and you've done a good job of this, Larry, of releasing the younger generation to do what is in their heart. And you touched right. on that. But that is just so, so significant. Right. If you want to see young leaders thriving underneath of you, you have to be willing to let them go after the dreams that are in their heart, even if you're skeptical, even yeah. if you're like, I'm not sure how I could yeah. work out. Let them go after it, and you might be surprised at where they land. It might not be exactly the initial vision. It might end up looking more like your vision even, actually. But there's something to releasing people to go after what God's put inside of their heart. And and how the Lord unfolds that is really a beautiful thing. But I think it it starts with that open-handedness to say, hey, do what's in your heart. Yeah. Yeah, one of our key leaders for many years was Carl Good. Carl Good's now with the Lord. And Carl Good used to say this in in our apostolic meetings or leadership meetings. He'd say this. He'd say, you know, if I have a son and he wants, he's 17, wants to go his own way, I don't agree with what he's doing. He said, I'll let him go, but I'll keep the relationship. That's good. Keep the relationship because eventually he'll come around and he'll need me. Yeah. And, you know, that is so true. And where it really gets hard, and for leaders, for, for pastors, for example, or Christian leaders, where it gets hard, even someone on our team uh, could be an elder, could be a staff person, could be a volunteer, whatever, they're dyna- dynamic leaders, whatever, and they have a vision to do something that's different than what we would have a vision yeah. for. That's where it gets hard. So it's helping them, again, it's finding what's in the hearts, helping them fulfill that and realize that is more important than me just building my own vision and building my own thing. And But that, but see, that's what fathers do. That's a massive shift. I it mean, is. Like, in it mindset, is. If, if you're in... Because that can be hard. I mean, if you're building your vision and and, and, your, and there's a place for that. There yeah, is a place, exactly. Of course, there is a place. We're for that. each called, we you know, are. and you're you're called to pioneer Dove, right? But there's people along the way, even in that that tenuous season, who were not called to stay. Exactly. And so there was something about even releasing, releasing them. and blessing, and not holding any grudge, no offense. Yeah. I mean, mo- more people get get uh, blown blown away. I think spiritually by holding an offense because somebody did mm. something they weren't expecting, than probably anything else. And yeah. that's why he's got to every day is a new day and releasing people to God, releasing people to do what they're called to do, get behind them in any way we can. Doesn't mean we finance it. Doesn't even mean that at all. But get behind them any way we can. But be there for them. If it doesn't work, that's they'll good. be back. Right. Because that's what that's what lo- yeah, and that's what love does. You exactly. know, that's what spiritual fathering. That's what spiritual sons and daughters need from spiritual fathers and mothers to be released to go after what God's given them to go yeah. after, and to be there if it doesn't work. Or if it does work, we still we need these leaders in our lives who are going to care for us right. in spite of our performance, because that's what the Lord does in our lives too. Exactly. So there's just something so powerful when that that love can penetrate the relationship. It's not just this transactional thing. I love you if you do what you know my vision is right, for your right, life, right. but just sense of like, I love you and I want to see you fulfill all that God has yeah. on your life, and I'm going to help you do that. And and so there's really something to that, the honor that flows from that place inside of leaders to other younger leaders, older leaders. Um, yeah. Is there, I mean, 
Is there anything else that's just really burning on your heart it this sure morning? Is. Yeah, I want to hear what you want to drill into because I've been leading the conversation. <laughs> so let's hear what you want to drill. Well, into. I I know we need to see him bring this to a close, but I just want to honor you, Josh. You have been a model in your generation, a model for your generation. I know that your influence is much broader than Pennsylvania, much broader than Dove International and Dove Westgate Church. And I know you're relating God's open doors for you to relate to leaders throughout the body of Christ and young leaders. And and you're a great blessing, not only to the Dove International family, but to the body of Christ. So thank you for guarding your heart, because we all have to guard our hearts in these things. I mean, you're not, the, you, honestly, when I look at these four generations, we talked about the Joseph generation. You know, Joseph was going through all kinds of stuff, preparing the way, you know, for, for what God had for him in the future. And of course, we all go through that kind of stuff. But I just want to say thank you for honoring the generations. Thank I you for honoring that. the Lord. And uh, thank you for being a model for your generation and under. Uh, especially, you know, the Joseph generation for all that God's going to do in the future because we're going to see major things happen in this nation uh, for the kingdom of God and the nations. And But it's going to take all these four generations working together for that to happen. I, so. I really received that. And I, I want to speak to, I think, I really, I, I really desire to see my generation, Gen Z and millennials, to walk in a place of honor towards what has been pioneered because I, I just, I don't yeah. want to rebuild yeah. I don't want to spend my life, you know, going after things that have already been pioneered. Right. I, I would rather honor what God is doing, honor what God has done, and build upon that. Um, and I know that can feel really intimidating to younger leaders. It can feel, you know, I, I think God has spoken to me sometimes. Like, it sometimes feels easier to be a maverick than a reformer in some yeah. ways. But uh, you have to determine what has God called you to do. Has he called you to just go and, and start something new? And I think he does do that. He absolutely does that. Or has he called you to be a reformer? And I think taking up that, that more reformer, you know, identity, uh, it's, not, it's not better in any way. It's just where has God called you right. to specifically be planted in the body of Christ? As a, in church leadership or in the body of Christ, and even in business leadership too, I think wherever you land, you have to determine, okay, God, what have you called me to do? Have you called me to plant here and, and love the people you've given me? honor the people you've given me that have authority over me and burn where I'm at? Or am I called to go and, and pioneer something new? Neither is better than the other. I just think so many times we get in that more reformer identity or where God's called us to plant and we can start to get bitter. And that bitterness can just so corrupt the heart, so corrupt the mind, so just create this level of just like dishonor and division and stuff like that. So much better to just be where you're called to be planted. Good. Burn for Jesus and see what he does. It's so beautiful to see. So what are the leadership concepts that we can pull out of what we talked about over this last half hour or so? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, be secure in your own generation, honor your own generation, and understand where God's called you, honor the other generations together. As again, regardless of the type of leadership we're in, this applies to us. Again, whether it's a business world, whether it's a church world, uh, it's the honor of the generations and work. This happens in business all the time too. Yeah. You get older business leaders working with their own sons sometimes, their own kids sometimes, and younger generations. So I think that is one thing that's clear. And I think uh, secondly, just having a sense of security, knowing we are loved by the heavenly Father. That's good. And I think number three is we need relationship in our lives. We need people over us in the Lord. We need peers in the Lord. And we need those that we're mentoring in the Lord. It says those three relationships that are so needed we mm -hmm. see in Scripture. Uh, any other leadership truths that you would pick I th out? I think that um, language is really important. 
it's 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 a practical thing, but it's very important. Even even internal thoughts, um, guarding those. You know, what are you what are you internally thinking or speaking outwardly over the younger or older generation, really wherever good. you find yourself? Very good. Because you could be unknowingly cursing or yeah. unknowingly degrading, um, and that stuff has a massive effect, gotcha. whether you know it or not. So I think you know it would be good for each of us to just internally process that god how am i how am i speaking about because no no matter where you're called you're still called to love honor and respect that's right so i just think there's these cultural things you know talk about millennials this way talk about gen z this way or younger people talking about boomers in this way (laughs) right (laughs) so whatever way you land on it i think we have to reform some of the ways that we talk and speak that's one thing in my mind practically good well, look, let's, uh, we're going to bring this uh, podcast to a close. I'd like you to take a moment and pray for the generations. Would you do that? Yeah. And then we'll, we'll close out the podcast today. Yeah, Lord, just God on my heart right now is, is that leader, God, who knows they've been called, uh, knows that you've placed a specific um, calling on their shoulders, Lord, and is, is not sure exactly um, where you've called them to go right now, God. They're maybe going through that that Jacob season, Lord, um, feeling, God, just the pressure, the outward pressure. They're seeing the blessing of the Lord on their lives, but they, they're feeling the pressure outwardly. How can I go on, God? I pray that you would provide, Lord, Isaacs and Abrahams in their lives to speak in to their life, God, to encourage them, to um, help them to continue walking, Lord. I'm thinking about those, God, that would even listen to this that are in that Abraham generation, God, 70 years and older, Lord. Would you fill them with faith, God, that the, the, the years to come are going to be greater than the years behind even, mm-hmm. God? God, praying for the Isaac generation, Lord, those that are really in a season of, of thriving and seeing your hand just move powerfully, Lord, um, would they just have just a, a, an a, an increase in the peace and security that they're walking in, God. Bring increased favor in that season. And God, for the Joseph generation, Lord, the generation that I abide in, God, we just ask for your ability to walk in honor, humility, forgiveness, and love, God, to all those that you've given us, God. I thank you for the way you're preparing us for what you have ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Josh Good, for joining me today on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. And uh, thank you to everyone for joining us and look forward to seeing you back again soon where we have conversations on leadership, find those small things in leadership, the little changes we can make that make a massive difference in the future. Check out the show notes for more information and we look forward to seeing you and hearing you and being with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.